to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right, give God a praise offering. Come on. Amen. Well, I, just, I want to encourage all of us, all right, on Sunday, let's not be an island. Look around you, there are people that are praying, and I believe they want to hear from the, the Lord. And of course, God can speak to people directly, but I believe He also speaks through us to the people around us. Um, amen. So, let's do that on Sunday, and uh, let's uh, be a voice uh, to, the, to, to those that are part of our church. Have a wonderful time. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, it's, good, it's good to be back. Uh, I know that I've got one more part to the Joshua series that I'll save for a later date, probably in the second half of this year, uh, to be part of um, something special that I want to do. But this morning, I'll speak to you on the subject, passionate people. Say passionate people. Come on, say passionate people with some passion. Passionate people. I believe the creative force behind all great art, all great drama, all great music, great architecture, great writing is passion. Nothing great is ever accomplished in life without passion. Can I have an amen, please? Nothing great is ever sustained in life without passion. I believe passion is what energizes life. Passion makes the impossible possible. Someone say amen. amen. Passion gives us the reason to get up in the morning and to go about saying, I'm going to do something with my life today. And that's why passion is so powerful. Without passion, life becomes boring. Without passion, it becomes monotonous. It becomes mundane. Routine becomes dull. So what exactly is passion? I believe passion is the powerful force or a compelling emotion. In fact, the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos, which means in God. So God Himself is enthusiastic. God Himself is passionate. And God created all of us. God created you. God created me with the emotions to have passion in our lives. And He wants all of us to live a passionate life. Somebody say amen. amen. Passion is what mobilizes armies into action. Passion is what causes explorers to boldly go beyond where no man has gone before. Passion is what causes scientists to, to stay up late at night and uh, to look for cure for diseases. See, friends, passion is, is what takes a good athlete and turns him into a great athlete by practicing for hours and thus breaking records. We need passion in our lives. We need passion in our lives. Nothing great can ever happen without passion. And, nothing, and we can never build a great church without passion. The city will not become a wonderful, life-impacting church, world-changing church without passion. And it's not just talking about passion. It's living and demonstrating passion. It's all of us becoming passionate people. See, one day a man uh, walks up to Jesus and this man said, Lord, what's the most important thing in the world? What's the most important thing in life? 
And I like how Jesus said it in the Message Bible. Now, I love different translations. And uh, Jesus said it in the Message Bible. And, do, do I, and he said, what, let's read this passage. One of the, the religion scholars came up, hearing the lively exchanges of question and answer and seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers. He put in his question, which is the most important of all the commandments? Next verse. And Jesus said, the first in importance is, listen Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here is the second, love others as well as you love yourself. And there is no other commandment that ranks with these. And Bible says, to love the Lord your God with all your passion. This is part of what it means to love God with all of our hearts, with all our passion. God is saying here, I want all of you, friends, to put some muscle into loving me. I want all of you to put some energy, some emotion into our friendship, into our our relationship. Don't be half-hearted. Give it all you've got. And Jesus is saying here, if you're going to follow me, you've got to go, uh, you have, you've got to go at it with some passion, some zest, some enthusiasm, some, some zeal. Come on. To live life passionately. I'm just praying that the, the day would come when people will look at us and they will, and, uh, they will say that this is a passionate bunch of people. I was in uh, the US, right? And uh, was there for the call for, for Azusa now. I, I know a few of you were there. And I wondered, what made 55,000 people? And it was raining that day. It was raining on Saturday. It was raining on Friday. And they were expecting a full house crowd, but not everyone showed up. So half the stadium showed up, 55,000. What made 55,000 people sat in the rain, knelt in the rain, and just singing and praying for hours, 15 hours straight, non-stop. What made them do that? I believe the answer is passion. I looked at Lou Ingle from afar, and I've known him uh, now for a, for a couple of years, and Lou isn't the most organized man, let me tell you, you that. He isn't the most administrative. Neither is he the most strategic, but no, but no one can refute that he's probably the most passionate people, a person we've ever met. The way he spoke, his vision, his passion for God and what God wants to do through the call. And we, we can all say, Lou, you're a passionate person. And see friends, this is what inspires us. Passion, he's the most passionate. Some of us knew Heidi Baker and I've known her for a few years. And likewise, Heidi isn't the most organized, isn't the most administrative, neither is she the most strategic. But most of us who have seen her speak will no doubt say he's prob- she's probably the most passionate woman that we know. So what makes a ministry great? Now, I love planning, I love strategy, but what makes a church great? Is it just good strategy? Is it just great planning? Can I suggest that all that, but without passion, will just be a well-oiled machine? Lack of life, lack of zeal, lack of enthusiasm. So I pray, church, that the city would be a bunch of passionate people, regardless of who is speaking, regardless of who is leading, Inwardly, we are compelled with a strong emotion to give God our highest praise. 
Amen. To go after Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. To love Him with a passion, with energy. Amen. Come on. Amen. But in our culture, it's okay to be passionate about anything except faith. Except, for lack of a better word, religion. Except our friendship with God. See, I can go into a rock concert and some of you have been to a rock concert or a political rally recently, right? Or a football game and I can shout my head off. I can get all excited. I can get hoarse from yelling so loud. When my team loses, I may even cry and no one would think that that's a big deal. Right? If you're a Arsenal fan and if Arsenal you know, lost by a point and you'll be crying and say, how did that guy miss that penalty? And you'll be tearing in your living room. Or if your favorite team score, you will go beside yourself and start jumping up, up and down like you are some, you know, just screaming. And no one would think twice. No one would, you know, all they would say is, wow, this guy is a real fan. All right? Your favorite celebrity walking down the road, you saw her from afar, I said, what? That's it, man. I take a photo and you are beside yourself. But if I do that in church, before worship starts, I know that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords is about to be felt tangibly and I started screaming, jumping up and down. And when God's presence comes in a powerful way, I'll just be crying and waving my hands and the people around me would think, this guy is a little bit strange. This guy is a little bit fanatical. He's a nutcase. Please don't go too close. He might just hit you in the face. He's always in the front crying during the wor- crying during worship, crying during the altar call. And we said, that guy is a religious fanatic. Most of us would say that. We'll, we'll be walking out and this church is a little bit weird. I'm uncomfortable around passionate people. Isn't that true? Those guys are, yeah, they are just a little bit on. They are just a little bit, I'm a religious type. I'm, you know, I'm a bit more mature than all those guys in the front. I type in the phrase, a passion for into my Kindle account, my, you know, what sort of books are out there and found a couple of books, you know, hundreds of books with that, ti- with that title, a passion for. There's a book called A Passion for Birds. A passion for books, a passion for cactus, a passion for chocolate. That's for girls, I can understand that. A passion for fashion, passion for fishing, passion for flying, for gardening, for golf, for hunting, a passion for pasta, for ponies. There's a book called A Passion for Potatoes, for Roses, for Shoes. There's even a book entitled A Passion for Steam. Steam. Why are people passionate about steam? See, but being passionate about God as Christians, can I say that it should, it should not be unusual? It should be part of our lives. The Bible says what's the greatest is to love God with all passion. See, friends, being passionate about God has got nothing to do with your personality. You might say, I'm introverted. Now, you might not believe me, guys, but I've done many, many personality assessments. I am an introvert. 
I know it's hard to believe. I'm actually a very trained extrovert. I'm an expressive introvert. But I need my space. I love flying because I've got my little space. (laughs) But it's got nothing to do with your personality or your age. It's not about, oh, there are young people, they can be passionate. I'm a little bit old now, I'll just be a little more reserved. Nothing to do with age. Can I say that one of the most passionate people I've met, Joy and I were just going on a date on a Monday morning, walking around Tampines Mall, and we saw a familiar face. We call her Auntie Jane. All right, Auntie Jane is Pastyang's mother. And I've known her since she was 60 plus, retiring from, uh, as a teacher from Anglican High School. In fact, Auntie Jane was the one who brought many of the pastors from City Harvest Church to the Lord. He, she was the one who actually invited the pastors in uh, during school days for different talks and saw a revival in Anglican High School. And Auntie Jane now is probably about eight, 84, 85 or even pushing further. And uh, she said to keep herself active, she would take a taxi every day and uh, she would just walk different malls. She'd go to Tampines Mall, Century Square, NEX, different malls. And, uh, and so we sat down with her, we had a cup of coffee and we just caught up with her because we've not seen her for many years. We bought her a massage, you know, and uh, so we just chatted and, and uh, she said, oh, I just walked around and she pulled out a few cards. She had all these Cornerstone cards because she's a fan of Cornerstone, right? Her own son's church. And, uh, but yet she had her, her, a sticker with her name and her own cell phone number. And she said, every day, I'll flag down a taxi, I'll call a cab, I'll get into a taxi, and I'll have God conversation with the taxi driver. And I'll always give them a card and say, how's your soul? Are you in church? And invite every taxi driver to Cornerstone. Where... Even, you know, when we saw her, she was chatting with a total stranger in, uh, in uh, this Penang, uh, in, in this Malacca place, right? Tampines Mall. I can't remember what the, what the, the name of the, the shop is, but chatting a stranger, not, not a friend, a stranger having a conversation and basically being a witness, 85 years old. It's not a matter of uh, age. She's 85. And there's another person who's a teenager in the Bible Her her name is Mary, and she's passionate. And we know this story, and that's not my subject matter, but let's just look at some characteristics of passionate people from Mary's life. Mark chapter uh, chapter 14, verses 3 to 9, we read about the story of Mary. And Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper, and while he was eating dinner, a woman, of course in this story, she wasn't named, but we know that she's Mary. And Mary came up carrying a bottle of very expensive perfume, opening the bottle, he, she poured it on his head. Whose head? Jesus' head. Next verse, please. Some of the guests became furious among themselves. That's criminal! A sheer waste. The perfume could have been sold for well over a year's wages and handed out to the poor. They swell up in anger, nearly bursting with indignation over her. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you giving her a hard time? She has just done something wonderful, uh, wonderfully significant for me. You have to pour with you every day for the rest of your lives. Whatever, whenever you feel like it, you can do something for them. Not so with me. She did what she could, when she could. She pre-anointed my body 
for burial. And, can, and you can be sure that wherever in the world, the whole world, the message is preached, what she just did is going to be talked about admiringly. Now, this is Mary of Bethany, and she's only a teenager, probably between 15 to 18 years old. She has saved up for her marriage and now she saw Jesus in the room who was dishonored by, her, uh, by, by his guests and, and Mary broke in and started pouring this very expensive flask of perfume on Jesus. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love you know, this picture because whenever Mary could be found, and most of you would know this, she's always at the feet of Jesus, always. All three times when we read about her in the Bible, she's always prostrating. She's always at Jesus' feet, and she is a wonderful picture of a passionate person. And just very quickly, what are some of the characteristics of passionate people? Number one from this story, I believe that passionate people give excessively. Passionate people give their best in excess. They don't hold back. What do I mean? If Mary is in our midst today, she'll be in the front. She'll be early because she doesn't want to miss any part of the worship. She'll have her hands raised. She might be jumping up and down. She'll be excessive with her praise. I believe that. I believe when it comes to offering, she will pull out the biggest note in, uh, in, her, in, her, in her purse because passionate people give their best in excess. She might be serving in four or five ministries. I have to slow her down and say, Mary, you are overcommitting yourself. Can you, can you just chill a little bit because you need to have a balanced life. Remember your parents. Remember your you know, children. But Mary gave herself in excess. Not just her offering, not just her praise, but she gave herself. When the preacher is preaching, Mary's spellbound into the word, eye to eye with the preacher. When I say amen, she says amen. This is Mary. She lived an excessive life. I used to preach this message a long time ago and I always use Jin Jie as an example. And I'm still using him. Because in my view, he's one of the most passionate worshippers I know ever since he was 16 years old. And he'll always be with hands up. He, he looks really focused. I love him for that. I want to say that like Lou Ingold. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Not the most strategic. Oh, no, but... No, he is actually very, all right? Wonderful brother. But passionate, giving your best in excess. No reservation, no holding back, not just in the praise and the worship, but in every area of his life. When it comes to work, he understands that, she understands that she's working for the Lord, regardless of what she's doing, whether she's an accountant, whether she's you know, uh, cleaning the, whatever. She's just going because she understands that it's not just about living life, but it's about living life for the audience of one with passion and excessively giving herself. Yeah. This is Mary. Passionate people give excessively. They don't hold, hold back. They don't hold back. Amen? Passionate people change atmospheres with their passion. They impact the atmosphere around them. Because you have to understand, when she broke the alabaster jar, the whole place was filled with a strong-smelling perfume. It was none, which means that it's very concentrated. And not only was Jesus impacted, not only was Mary impacted, everyone in the room could smell her passion. 
Are you with me? Everyone in the room could smell Mary's passion. The whole room was filled with the fragrance of the perfume that Mary poured. Friends, others may not appreciate your passion, but Jesus does. From this story, we know that Jesus appreciated Mary's passion. The, the, the Christians or the religious folks of that day did not appreciate what Mary did. But Jesus said, hey, leave her alone. Jesus appreciated. I want to say to the people here who want to express yourself and you feel like, oh, if I do that, will people think that I'm weird? Who cares what people think? Forget what they say. Come on, church. If you want to express yourself, <laughs> I, I, I was in an Afro-American church. Uh, not Afro-American, Afro-church, all right? Uh, on a Sunday. It was two Sundays ago. Was that wrong to say that in the US? I was in a black church. Let's put it this way. Was that even a... And you know what? I love it. The, these guys were just going. When, it, when the preacher was preaching, they were responding, they were on their feet, they were pointing at the preacher. They're into it, man. They've got a handkerchief in the air, they were like, Preacher! During worship, they were like, lost. This guy was just doing... Some of them was doing this. I mean, I was thinking to myself, can I bring them back to Singapore? And you might think, but Daniel is cultural. Come on. There's only one culture we want to go after, and that's the kingdom culture. And I believe that passion is kingdom culture. Andre wasn't weird. Well, just, he's not just trying to work the crowd. He's just simply showing off his passion for the Lord, which I believe is the same in private as it is in public. Have you met? Oh, no, probably not. But if you have uh, ever had coffee with Reinhard Bonnke, right, one-to-one, you will, you will know that the, the Reinhardt that you have coffee with one-to-one is the same Reinhard Bonnke when he was preaching in a stadium to a million people. He talks to you like... <laughs> There's a million people in front of him. <laughs> Africa must be safe. <laughs> it's like, yes, my head, yes. I got it in my head, yes. I'm not kidding you. I've been in a room where it was just 50 pastors and he was talking, like he was talking to 5 million pastors. I've been over the coffee table with him and just two, three people just recently and he's talking to me like he's talking to five million people. I mean, after having a stroke, he's still souls. <laughs> souls. I mean, that's Reinhardt. Passionate people change the atmospheres because when he starts talking about souls, you could tell, God, I need to be safe again. <laughs> Where's the altar call? Where's the music? The form? Come on, bring it. I want to fell on the form. I'm serious, man. <laughs> Passionate people change. Religious folks may not appreciate our passion, but guys, the only way for this church to increase her passion level is that all of you who believe that you are supposed to be a passionate person, to be passionate. To be not to be lukewarm, not to be laid back, but regardless, I've said this, don't be a thermometer. Don't just measure the temperature. Be a thermostat. If, if you think that it's a little bit cold here, turn up the heat. Yeah. 
If you think that worship is a little bit, turn up and sing louder. Raise your hands higher. <laughs> Passionate people change atmospheres with their passion. And can I say this? Non-believers who walk in to a passionate church may not understand why we're passionate. They may not. But believe me, they can sense the difference. They can. It's not just church. In, in your workplace, if you are passionate for what you are doing, even though you're selling just a vacuum, I'm, I mean, people will buy because this guy really believes in what he's selling. <laughs> Give me five. I mean, this is what passion does. It's not just how eloquent you are. Now, I said this to people when I was growing up. Seriously, Daniel Chua grew up as a, grew up stuttering, grew up, you know, in, in a basic family with wonderful friends, but I'm no prodigy. I'm just, an, I'm just a kid from Tampines growing up. I'm not the smartest, didn't have a degree. I don't think I'm strategic. I can't write a business plan when I was 15 years old. <laughs> Created nothing. But do you, do you know what? I, I always say this to people. I might not be the smartest, the, bright, the brightest, the strongest, the fittest, the most muscular. But one thing is for sure. You cannot deny the fact that I am the most passionate. When I, was, when I was growing up, every altar call, whoever the preacher is, I'll be in the front corner, I want more. So guess what? When the young people that I, that I led was a small group, then I said, guys, let's be the most passionate bunch in the whole church. Let's be. And did, do you know what we did? We were always in the front. Some of you may remember if you grew up with me and we'll say, okay, let's impact the atmosphere. We'll jump, we'll raise our hands, we'll show the adults what passion looks like. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I, I, I was a little bit proud and arrogant in those days, but no doubt I want to show the adults what worship looks like in heaven. And I believe that's what worship looks like in heaven. I believe that you cannot face the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is altogether beautiful and glorious and wonderful and be, and be lukewarm in your worship. Imagine you just saw the most beautiful being and... Hi... You will be spellbound. You will be face down. You will be... Amen. Amen. And so I said, I believe that's what worship looks like. So we might as well rehearse now for, what it, for the real thing in the next life, in the life to come. But, you know, that's what we want to do. And so I said, come on guys, let's show the adults. And now I'm an adult. I'm 40 years old. Can I say to the adults, say, come on adults, let's show the young people what worship looks like. Adults, let's show the youth what worship looks like. Hallelujah. Bring your handkerchief, wave it in the air. Amen. It changes the atmosphere. Number three, passionate people, I believe, leave behind a legacy that, that inspires, uh, 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 inspires others. <laughs> leave a legacy that inspires others. Let's, let's look at, if you go back to, to the verse, let's go back to the verse if, we, if you can. This is what Jesus said. Let's go to the verse. He says, let, let her alone. Why are you giving her a hard time? She's just done something wonderfully significant for me. You have the poor with you always. Why don't you feel like you can do, next verse please. He says, 
you can be sure that when, wherever in the whole world the message is preached or, or the gospel is preached, what she just did is going to be talked about admiringly. has been 2,000 years, ladies and gentlemen, and we're still preaching from this story. Jesus is true to His Word. This story has been preached umpteen times because that's what passion is. Amen. It fills the libraries of the world. Biographies of passionate people fills the libraries of the world. They were world changers. These are history makers. Passionate people are history makers. You can be passionate for the wrong thing. You will still make history. Hitler, for example, makes history. So did Steve Jobs. But how much more as Christians? Her story will be remembered and repeated. I've got a long sermon. Can I just make it brief? But I believe that it's very hard for us to maintain our passion because because life and the world conspire against us all the time. And and they want to put out our passion. People are always throwing a wet blanket on on our passion. Why? Because passion is threatening. Passion is uncomfortable. Amen? You can sit down through a passionate message, but just don't let, I can, I can enjoy it, but just don't ask me to be passionate. I, I, you can raise your voice, but not me. I, I'm different. Come on, passion is, is threatening. Passion is intimidating. Passion, you know, it's, it makes people feel a little bit uncomfortable, but passion changes the world. The world wants to kill our passion. Because the world is threatened by passionate people. Especially when we're passionate for the right things, not, not the wrong things. I mean, so very quickly, I want to just share with you five aunts, not aunties, all right? Five aunts that kill your passion. <laughs> Auntie number one, no, I'm just kidding, is unbalanced schedule. Very quickly, unbalanced schedule. See, life happens in a rhythm. All of us need to have input and output. And too much of either will cause us to lose our passion. My guess is, in a crowd this size, half of us need to work less and half of us need to work more. (laughs) Because we're all different in our personalities. You can go to either extreme. Psalm 127 verse 2 says that it is useless for us to work so hard from early morning till late at night because unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. So to all the workaholics here, God wants you to rest. Some of us, the problem is we're always giving out and the staff runs into the danger of always giving. And some of the people have been serving for six, seven years, always giving. The same band members, always giving. And... You're always giving out, always helping, always sharing, always serving, always working, always being generous. Wow, the word always makes me feel tired. All right, always, never taking time to recharge. And if you never take time to recharge, you've got unbalance on the ministry side, on the work side, and you will eventually get compassion fatigue. What do I mean? What exactly is that? You just stop caring. You become indifferent. And some of us came from that culture for many years, serving our previous church, serving, serving, 10 years, 15 years, compassion fatigue. Change church, come to this church. I don't care. Serve me now. (laughs) Prepare breakfast. I come, nice seats. And that's not the real you. But why? You are just fatigued. You are tired from over serving. You don't care anymore. Who cares about people? Who cares about their needs? Who cares about pastoral care? Who cares about 
you know, great worship. I don't care, I just sit here, I'm a Christian. The church thing is what I do on Sunday. That's what I do. But I don't care. Because why? You're burnt out from too much work, too much service. <laughs> right? And we've been there before. I've been there before. The problem is I have to put up a front because I'm the pastor. So I have to pretend that I care, but I really didn't care. Who cares whether it comes? You know, the seats are, who cares? I'll just do my job, pay me a salary, praise God. But we've all been there. Some of you have been there. Some of you are still in there. And I'm here to tell you, friends, that's not where God wants you to be. Amen. Allow the Holy Spirit to refresh you, ignite a fresh passion in your heart for the things of God. Amen. But on the other side, some of you here are always taking in, never giving out. You go to Bible studies, you listen to sermons, you've got all the podcasts, you've got all you know, the apps, you're listening to all the great preachers from Fatigue to Prince to Lakewood Church to whoever you have. You are overloaded with information. And you think that the more things you can absorb, the better you are. Christianity to you is just... A uh, notebook full of notes. I'm not being fat here. I'm not being fat there. I'm not feeding myself. No one is good. And you just, you are always taking in and come to a point where, ah, you are, you are constipated. Nothing is coming out from your life. I know it's graphic, but that's the state of a lot of Christians in the world. Do you know that less than 10% of the Christian population are actually serving God? If 120 can change the world in their lifetime, we've got 2 billion Christians. The world should have been rich 10 years ago. Come on, church. But why? Why aren't the world rich? Why aren't our schools transformed? Why aren't the marketplace impacted? Because feed me, pastor. Feed me, pastor. Feed me. Just take in more. Read more books. (sighs) That also makes me tired. You know, I've stopped reading Christian books. Ah, oh, pastor, really? Yes, I've stopped. Because I can turn the page and the shelves are like full of Christian books. I've spent, my dad's not here, praise God. You know, I spent his money buying Christian books when I was growing up. He gave me a sub card. Be careful. Never give your kids, especially if they're on fire, a sub card. Because they will buy all the sermon CDs. <laughs> I was just taking in. But praise God, I, I was also giving up. But the problem is you're always learning, always taking in. But... A lot of input, but there was no output. That's also bad. Yes? That's not, that's, that's not what God has in store for us. There's no ministry. There's no mission. You're taking in all the food, getting fatter and fatter until pretty, pretty soon, we've got to roll you out of the church. <laughs> we call that holy rollers. I mean, we're just rolling you out of the church. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know what our problem is, what your problem is, but my guess is you are either one. My, you either have too much output or not, and not, in, not enough input, or you've got too much input, not enough output. You've got to decide on that. I'm sure God will help us out. But, the, but friends, the thing is this. I want to say this to all of us who have been in church for a long time. You have, you have not been giving out. I, can I say this, that Bible study without ministry is extremely dangerous? You might not have got me, you might have, you might have missed that. Bible study without ministry is extremely dangerous. Well, what do you mean? It's extremely dangerous because James chapter 4 and verse 17 says this. 
If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. <gasps> the more you know, the more accountable we are to, to what we know. The more we know, the more accountable we, we are. If, if for the next six months, every Sunday, all I talk, talk about is soul, is soul, soul winning. I tell you, the church would string to two people, probably my wife and I. I've heard that last Sunday, Pastor. Heard that the previous Sunday, Pastor. I've heard that three Sundays ago, Pastor. Five months ago, you're still talking about soul winning. Yes, but are you winning souls? No, Pastor. No. Or worship, for the matter of fact. Come on, church, we need more passion. I've heard that last Sunday, Pastor. Five months ago, I've heard that. The Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word and not doers. Because you deceive yourself. And you know how, and that's deception in the church. You know, there are two kinds of deception. Wrong teachings and a lot of teachings, but no output. That's also, you're deceiving yourself, listening, 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 but you're not doing anything about what you know. That's deception. Yes, amen. Good preaching, Daniel. I mean, it's true. <laughs> so what do we need, friends? One word, balance. Some of us, we need time to worship. Privately, corporately. But some of us have been worshipping a lot, soaking in the prayer room for the longest time. You need to serve. Um, some of us have been serving you need to go into your pri- private time into the Word. I mean, it's all about balance. Amen? The second answer that will kill our passion is unused talent. Unused talent will cause you to lose your passion for life and for God. Amen? See, the talents that I have is not for myself. It's for you. And vice versa, the talent you have is not for yourself. It's for me. <laughs> We're supposed to serve one another with our talents. Amen? With our talents. Number three, unconfessing will kill our passion. Unconfessing. And God doesn't want us to live in guilt. The wonderful thing is this, friends, that if you are under the burden of guilt, the Bible says that you can simply confess your sin and He's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The condemnation that you feel on your soul is not from the Lord. Amen? Amen. You can simply say, Father, I've blown it. Forgive me, plead the blood of Jesus on my life and be free from the guilt of sin. Friends, because the guilt, because you cannot feel enthusiasm and guilt at the same time. I mean, you need to allow God to free you from this sense of guilt and live in the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And to confess is simply to agree with God. Say, God, I know that's wrong. I've, I've blown it. And I thank you that God, your word says, I can just simply confess and you'll forgive me and praise God for that. Whenever the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance, not, don't go and hunt for sin in your life. Amen. But just allow God to say, God, search my heart, oh Lord, there'll be no wicked ways within me. And just simply agree. God, I want to live a life in agreement with the Holy Spirit. Unconfessing kills the passion in your life. Number four, unsupported lifestyle. Unsupported lifestyle. What do you mean, Daniel? Sometimes you lose passion with God or for God because you're not spending enough time with other people who have got a passion for God. I love this amazing verse. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says, 
two are better than one because if one falls down, his friend can help him up, but, the, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. What's the point? The point is, friends, we need each other. We all fall. <laughs> Man, is that a revelation? I mean, we all fall sometimes. We all stumble at times. We need people to help us up in our lives. So we all go through crisis. And that's why we have got small groups. That's why we need people who are there not to judge us, but there to support us, there to help us up. And a lot of us are just under the condemnation of our, of our fall. That's not God's plan. God's plan is, hey, you know what? He's faithful and just. Come on, let's walk together. You might be crippled, you might be handicapped for a season, you might be bruising, but friends, let's walk this road together. We need one another. Amen. We need one another. Can I say this unashamedly? The only reason I've grown as a Christian, as a believer, is because I've been around other people who are also growing as believers. You want to grow? It's not more Bible study, hello. It's not more sermons. We cannot grow without people around us. We need a community to grow. I've been a pastor for some time now. Youth pastor, senior pastor. I've seen a lot of people lose their passion for the Lord. And it's usually a predictable pattern. You can see it in the same way almost every single time. I'll tell you what the pattern looks like. The first thing that happens is the person stops coming to church. Very exciting. <laughs> but that's the first thing that happens. For some reason, an, an offense, maybe, or even problem back at home, a shame, guilt. But the first thing that the enemy does, or the first thing that the person does, stop coming to church. I'm not talking about the ritual of coming to church. I'm talking about Drawing back from relationships. Or if you come at the, at the back. Last in, first out. Don't just... I don't want to be seen. I'll just come in, I'll go out. I'm in church, Daniel, I'm in church. You will text me, I'm in church. Yes, but you have basically withdrawn yourself from fellowship. It's not just church attendance to help you grow. Hello, it's connected to a community. Amen. So stop coming or withdrawing yourself from friendship with other believers. And there's a lot of reason we tell ourselves that it's really okay. You know what? I'll watch the internet. There are so many anointed preachers, 100 times better than Daniel Chua. I'll just watch them on the internet. I, I get more. I get more excited. I, you know, I feel like, oh, I've learned. I, I can wear my hanky back in my own bedroom. You know, but... Ah. But whatever reason is that you, 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 know, you stop spending time with other people who have a desire to have a passion for God. Next thing is that your heart starts to grow cold. You start to feel far from God. You start to feel that, that, that God's far away. Then you hear this voice, ah, just forget it. What's the point of being a Christian? And the enemy starts to sow lies in your heart and slowly you start pulling yourself and before you know it, people try to call you, stop replying texts and you try to look for a big church just to do your ritual thing and go there, sit there, leave and you think, I'm fine, I'm fine. People check with you, I'm fine, I'm just busy. 
There's no condemnation. I'm just telling you what, what I've observed. And before you know it, you, 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 you withdraw yourself and you become just a Sunday-going Christian. No passion, no fire, no impact, no influence. You're just going to church. But can I say this, friends? Jesus didn't die to make us church-goers. Amen. Jesus didn't die to just make us a good Sunday Christian. Jesus died so that He can raise up sons of God who can take the kingdom by storm. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent men take it by force. The, the world is changed by believers who are passionate, first of all, for Jesus and who are passionate for His kingdom. Work on a Monday is no longer just a career. Work is a mission. I'll talk more about that in the next few Sundays if I can. But friends, it's not just about going to church. Amen? But unsupported lifestyle, you stop going, stop connecting. There's always a reason pastor is too loud, judgmental, no one cares. You, you can tell yourself all these lies. Like what, we all, what, like what we tell our kids all the time, I'm, clo- I'm closing soon, but we tell our kids all the time, you can believe in lies all you want. Like mommy loves so and so more, daddy care, you know, own, only care about my grades. These are all lies. It's not true. And whatever you are hearing, lies. No one cares. Even if I don't show up, no one knows. All lies. If I, you know, I can't be real in this church, Lies. I'll be judged. Lies! But you believe in lies and start withdrawing yourself and no longer have the support. I'm too busy. If you're too busy for God, friends, you are too busy. Way too busy. And that's not the will of God for our lives. Amen? You're just too busy. Last but not least, unclear purpose. Life without purpose is activity without direction. And some of us may be feeling like Isaiah chapter 49 verse 4, I've labored to no purpose. I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. See friends, if you forget why God put you on earth, you're going to drift towards apathy and lethargy. If you've lost your purpose for life, your purpose for living, you are just simply cruising. And that's not God's will for your life. Passion and purpose go together. Amen. And it has got to be God's purpose for your, for your lives. And I'll close by saying this. If you're only living for yourself, that's a pretty sad purpose. That isn't going to make you very passionate. In fact, it's pathetic, friends. If we live lives just for ourselves, I'm living for me. You need a cause greater than yourself. That gives life significance, gives life meaning. And the more you understand God's purpose for your life, the more you live those purposes with passion. There's never a dull moment in my life. And I've got a lot of things going in my life. Stuff. I have a big family. I can say right now that I've got the biggest family in this church. True? Any competitors? <laughs> to my left? To my right? No. Big. I've got two teenagers. Do I have challenging kids? Not really. They're great. <laughs> Just sometimes a, l- a little bit different. <laughs> 
like all of us when we were growing up. But I wake up every morning, friends, with a sense of purpose of destiny. Every morning. So I want to, I want to encourage us as we close this message and the bell on stage, please. Let's come back to what I said. If this church is going to be great, the people in this church must be passionate. Must be. And why? Is it just because Daniel said so? No, man, guys. Because Jesus died so that we can be passionate people. Do you know that the final act that he did on the earth, of course, be, uh, before his resurrection, but his final act, the last few hours of his life on earth, before he resurrected, was called the passion of the Christ. He demonstrated for us what passion is. And passion looks like that. Radical, bloody, unreserved, without fear. Amen? That's what passion looks like. Passion looks like going the extra mile, not holding back. Passion looks like turning to the person to his left and say, today you'll be with me in paradise. Passion looks like looking at John and Mary and say, Mary, your sons, John, your mother. Passion looks like even in the midst of suffering, he's still caring for humanity. That's, that, that's what passion looks like. Nowhere in that few hours did, did he care for himself. And in fact, he says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And that's the example Jesus left for us. Amen. Just play softly, please. I know you are listening to me, but just start playing. But that's, but that's what passion looks like. And please don't tell me that because Jesus has done all that, that now we don't, have, we, don't have, we don't have to be passionate. That's very sad. That that is, we are basically abusing the message of the finished work of Christ. Friends, <laughs> Jesus did all that. He opened a way for us to go back to the Father so that we can live the kind of life that Jesus lived on the earth. It's not so that we can just live comfortable, plain sailing life. No, 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 no. No. But so that we can live passionate life. You know, and I tell you only what can change, uh, what, what can give a person passion. My parents, not here. They were indifferent towards God before they came to Christ. After they came to Christ, of course, they're grow, growing. But my parents, you know, they just finished their Married for Life 12 weeks, graduated, exchanged rings again, exchanged their vows. I said, wow, praise God. Before I knew it, they signed up for Parents for Life. <laughs> Before I knew it, they are attending week one. Of course, you may say, but they are retired. No, because I believe even if they're not retired, you know, that's what the gospel does. When you are touched by the gospel, when you are touched by the presence of God, things change. Why did I miss school to go to a conference? It's passion! Amen! 
Amen. So let's all stand. I pray that God will just infect you with that, that passion virus this morning. You can try to use your mind to explain away what I've said or you can simply agree with your heart and say, Jesus, the conviction I'm feeling right now is from you. It's not from the persuasive words of men, but it's from a moving of the Holy Spirit. And I need a new ounce of passion again, God. I've been a Christian for 50 years or for 20 years, for, for five months, and I need passion in my life. Beyond just my job, beyond just my family, I need passion in my life. Passion for Jesus. Passion for the kingdom passion for the mission, that my job is my ministry, that my work on Monday is a, a, an expression of my love for Jesus. Whatever I do, I do with all of my heart, not unto men, but unto God, not unto my earthly employers, but I'm just serving God with every project, with every uh, deal, with every training, with everything I'm doing, God is unto you, Father. That's what passion looks like. Amen. Just imagine the whole church living life like that. Every conversation isn't just some small talk, but passion. It's seeing how we can lead a person one step, a few steps closer to the kingdom. You're always thinking about the state of their soul. You're always trying to bring them in to the kingdom of God. That's what passion looks like. Thank you, Lord. Jesus died so we can all be like Him, passionate, unreserved, poured out. Isn't that what Paul said? Paul said at the end of his life, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. My life, he says, has been like a pour out offering. I love that. Can you see it? He says, everything within me, you know, I live a full life but I'll die empty because everything within me has been poured out. My emotions, my life, my energy, my love, everything I've poured out as an offering to the Lord. Can we just be Christians like that? Let's sing, let's sing a song and we'll spend some time praying but just help, just help me out guys and lift up your hands. Some of you may not feel like it but I want to encourage you. Just where you are, close your eyes, forget about the people around you, lift up those hands and say, God, touch me again. Baptize me with holy fire this morning.